You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. If you'll turn with me right now to Isaiah 40, that's where we'll begin this morning. I'm praying that since last week we, we come and very easily find ourselves in this place of rejoicing, in this place of rejoicing over what the Lord has spoken to be true about us and the fact that we get to live in that, we get to rest in that all the days of our life. I want to look at Isaiah 40, verse 1. We're going to start in verse 1 and go to verse 11. Um, there's just something in this this morning that the Lord has to remind us of again. And it's a beautiful reminder, and I'm excited for it. Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And a voice says, Cry. And I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord is blown on it. Surely the people are grass." The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain. O Zion, herald of good news, lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judea, Judah, Judah, behold your God, behold, the Lord God comes with might, and His arm rules for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him, and His recompense before Him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. This is a passage of hope. Isaiah is speaking of hope. And all all this leading up and all of this is coming back. But this passage right here is speaking of hope because of the one that is to come. He is speaking of the one that is to come. Have hope because there is one that is coming that will bring the freedom, that will bring the promises of God to fruition, have hope. And it's so fascinating to me to think about that when He says have hope, and these people are thinking of this day far off. When Jesus will come, the Lamb of God, who will die and He will restore what was lost in the garden. Man's ability to be connected to God, filled with the presence of God. He's saying have hope. Church, do you realize that you are in the morning after of the day they hoped for? We are the fruit of the day after of what they hoped for for all this time. We don't recognize that because we've always lived in it. But do you realize there, was a, there were people in a time that were longing to see the day that we live in now? There's a lot of places that we can go to there, but let's keep moving forward before we trail off. The day they hope for, we live in. And it is the day after. So we must rejoice. And can you think, just with that one fact, can you think of one reason why you should not rejoice? 
Because you now have access to the kingdom of heaven. You, let's just look at the very, very basis of salvation. The very basic thing is that when you die, death does not hold you, death does not claim you, but the Spirit of God and the kingdom of heaven claim you as their own and you get to live in eternity with the Creator of the universe. That's great. That's a wonderful thing worth praising God for and rejoicing in. But guess what? You don't have to wait till your mortal body dies. You get to rejoice in that. You get to live in that right now, today. You have access to the kingdom of heaven as Jesus did when the he-, he walked in obedience to baptism and the heavens were made open to Him. The heavens have not closed for you. They have remained open. The Spirit of God has descended upon you and they remain open to you. That's the fruit of the day after and that is worth rejoicing. No matter what we go through, that is still worth rejoicing. We are the products of the day after. And you can't get, I need you to hear this, you can't get any higher in the kingdom than where you sit right now next to the Father. You are seated next to the Creator of the universe. Co-heirs to His kingdom. Are you you guys awake? You are seated in heavenly places. You are seated in heavenly places. What power or authority on this earth could come against you and change that? There is not one. You are seated in heavenly places. You are seated at His right hand. And we are filled with every spiritual blessing that we need for every situation we will find ourselves come into. Everything that you will ever need was provided for you the second you said yes. Every provision, every spiritual blessing that was held in heaven for you was made available to you the second you said yes to Jesus. Everyone. There is not a situation on this earth that you will ever walk into where there is not perfect provision for you. That is the truth. So why then are so many in a fog in 2021? Why are so many believers, people that claim the Son of God as their source of light. People that proclaim God to be, to be their light. What hope does the world have if the people that claim the light of Christ are in a fog? We are coming to this place. We talked about it in Sunday school, but we are, we are at this place where nothing else will do but Jesus. We have faked it for too long and we've come to this crossroad where it just won't work. But they don't need to hear about Jesus, they need to see Jesus. How can they see Jesus if those that are meant to carry the banner of Jesus and reflect Jesus are kind of like, I don't really know. But that's what we're walking in. We've, there's a lot of reasons why, but there's, we're not going to get into that this morning. We're simply going to get into the victory. We must arise and shine. Period. I've had the arise and shine since last week when we read it in Isaiah 60 verse 1. I've had it in my head constantly. Arise and shine. It is the banner that He is saying over His people. Arise and shine. You cannot do that behind closed doors. You can only do that where the people that live in darkness are. What point is the light if it's only surrounded by light? The light is significant in the darkness. Light is significant in darkness because it removes darkness forcibly. Darkness only exists where the absence of light 
exists. And we have gotten really good at congregating where it's very easy to just shine together in a room that's already lit. Refusing to enter into the places where darkness exists. We must arise and we must shine. As Isaiah 61 speaks of it. As he tells us. as he And, and the Lord led us to Isaiah 60 that we would recognize the promises and the things that He's spoken over us, that this is truth about us, that you were made for the vision that God has released and the vision that He has released was made for you. The day that you find yourself in right now was made for you and you were made for it from the beginning of time. This one right here. And it's the only one that will be like this one right here. And guess what? You're made for tomorrow and tomorrow was made for you. How you live in it, how you exist in it is completely up to you. Jesus came to restore our choice when He died on that cross. Knowing that we would choose Him and knowing that we would not choose Him. We get to choose Him and when we do choose Him, we recognize Him. We get to walk in the fullness of this purpose that is found for us brand new each and every day. We must arise and shine. You know this about me, that I am a how and why person. It drives my wife insane. But I, I mean it honestly and innocently, maybe, when I ask why, and I question everything she does. Not, I mean, not, again, not from a bad place, but she's just like, she's doing something. I was like, why are you doing it like that? And I can see how that sounds critical. <laughs> but really, I'm gen- and so the delivery I need to work on. I get that. I'm there. I, I, I side with her. The delivery is not good, but genuinely, I'm just wondering why, why, why that way, why that way. I don't know how to say it in a way that doesn't sound critical, but I genuinely just want to know why, why people do things this way. Why is it this way? And so when people say, I've told you this before, when I just came to this place and my mentor, Kendall, we're getting ready to go lead worship service. And he asks, is there anything on anybody's heart? And I just go, does God really love everyone? And the room's just like, Ugh. that's not the thing the worship leader says before they go on stage. Like, that's just bad time. It's like, Kendall, you asked. And they're like, of course. It's like, why? And they didn't know how to answer that. But that's how I exist. I'm not good if, when people say, walk in the Spirit. Okay, how? Just do it. It's not Nike. It's not a shoe. You can't just put it on and go for it. I need instruction. I need to know how to do things. That's just the way I do it. So how do we arise and how do we shine? Let's look at that this morning. And the Lord has just let these very simple things that sound very rudimentary and and foundational, but we don't do them still. And so that's why He continues to bring us back to Him. How do we arise and shine? Well, first, we must be connected to Jesus. Turn with me to John 15.5. We must be connected to Jesus, not to a, a routine of Christianity, but to Jesus. I've got to get to John 15, 5. We must be connected to Jesus. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me... For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. There is nothing within yourself that you can muster up, you can earn, you can do anything on your own to establish the kingdom of heaven. There is not a thing on this earth for God's sake you can do without Him. Period. 
And we've gotten really good at just being like, God, I think we got this. Just, and look at where we are now. This mentality of we got it. We can do it. We don't need the Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth and righteousness. We'll discover truth for ourselves. Hadn't worked out so well yet. So maybe we need to change the course and recognize what the Word says. That we must be connected to Jesus because without Him we can do nothing. If we are not connected to Him, we cannot radiate the light of Him. We will continue to exist in a fog as a Christian culture, as, as the body of Christ will continue to exist in a fog if we are not connected to the Son of God who is the light of the world. It is impossible to radiate light if not connected to the source. He is the source. And this is another thing that we see. Oh, and I see it so much now as, as black and white has become dominant and the gray areas of life are being removed. We as Christians... We cannot, pursue the, we cannot pursue the light on us more than the light that is in us. We have a lot in, in our body, not, not this specific one, but we get into this very quickly. We can slip into this very quickly. And I see this in pastors. I see it happen all the time. And it's hard to even listen to songs and stuff on the radio because you just don't know which one is pursuing the light in them and which one's pursuing the light on them. It's, it's being having spotlight on you versus being a spotlight. We are called to be the spotlight. That we would shine in the areas that God has called us to shine. We are not called to be the ones receiving the light on us and pursuing that light. To exist in that light on us that is a reflection of self. And if you are not connected to Jesus, that's what exists. A pursuit. And in the social media world, it's the blue check mark. You're a deeper and more elevated Christian when you're official. You got that blue check mark. The blue check mark, for those that don't know, is when the site recognizes you as like this official person, pioneer of social media or whatever. Like you're cooler than everybody else because you got a blue check mark. Huh? Yeah, you're verified. That's what it is, right? Yeah, verified as famous through the world's standards. And we have a culture that pursues those things in the Christian world. Conversations with people, it, it comes back to church too. Because it's about the numbers, not about the truth being spoken. And we have pastors that are fired, that are not hired, because their numbers aren't good enough. That ain't it. That's not it. That can't be it. We must be focused in pursuing the light that is in us, not the light that is on us. That we could be the spotlights. We must, we must be connected to the Word of God. How do we arise and shine? We must be connected to the Word of God. This, right here. We just heard of the value that it carries across the world. And we think because we've existed in this Bible Belt Christian culture, we really don't need to be in this very much. But I, on a Sunday morning, cannot be the source of your study of this Word. He did not give it to you that one would speak to you about it once a week. That is not it. He gave it to you that your life would be rooted in it, that you would pursue it, that you would seek after Him and find Him in it. The spoken Word of God and the written Word of God. Jeremiah 15. Verse 16. Your words were found and I ate them. 
And your words became joy to me in the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. These are impossible things if we are not rooted in the Word because this is something given to us that we would have everything we need to nourish the hunger for God. This would be the satisfying thing. The bread of life. This Word of God given to us and we have not devoted ourselves to it. We do not know it well. We cannot quote Scripture we cannot in conversations, we depend now in conversations, I've heard this oftentimes talked about, we depend, man, I hope the Spirit gives me the words to say in this conversation. It's like, He has. You just haven't studied them. You have everything you need, you just don't know it. But we can't, we can't it's, like, it's like our phone. We treat the Spirit like our phone. I don't really need to know how to do anything anymore. I can either Google it and it'll tell me, or I can use my little calculator, like basic division, Right? Or multiplication. It's like, I don't need to do that in my head. I've got a phone. It'll teach me how to do these things. But that's, we do the same thing with the Spirit. I don't need to devote myself to the study. I don't need to spend time in the Word of God. Because when I need it, He'll just give me the information I need. Uh-uh. Not how it works. We are to steward this. We must be connected to this. He has given it to us. This is not the source of life itself. It's not Father, Son, and Holy Word. That's not what it is. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But they have still given us this and written this that we would have it as a source, as a tool. The sword of the Spirit that we would have this available in our arsenal and we do not give any time to it. We must be connected to it. We cannot depend on a church service or a Sunday school to be connected to the written Word of God. And we miss things when that happens. We miss a lot when that happens. We allow ourselves, as we, as we found over the last few years, we allow ourselves to just be okay with a teaching that we've always heard, never studying it for ourselves, and it becomes later in life that the Lord has to re-reveal to us the fullness of what He meant. The fullness of what He meant. Because we just kind of brushed over it. We're talking about that in Sunday school right now. Things that we have just brushed over, not recognizing the fullness that was in those words, but we just brushed over it. One of the things that we talk about often is that we are members one of another. And we've read that. So many of us have grown up, grown up in church and we've read Ephesians 5 and we just kind of breeze through it and like we're members one of another. We gave no attention to it, not recognizing what that means. That if I am a member of you and you are a member of me, when you hurt, I hurt. When you rejoice, I rejoice. When I go against you, I go against myself. I destroy myself in an effort to destroy you. And when I build you up, I elevate myself. Not in a selfish way, but in glory as I elevate the body. We make it healthier. We make it better. We make it stronger. These are things that we miss when we do not devote ourselves to the written Word of God. And another foundational truth that has just hit me. This is one of these moments. That this is something that we've read over and we've given no attention to and now the Lord is bringing us back. Turn to Matthew 9 that we would give attention to it. To see what it says and the power that is in it for our day to day right now. For the time that we find ourselves in. This blew me away. Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went throughout 
all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. What does it say right here? It says that the harvest is plentiful. And the harvest has been plentiful every day after the morning after. Every day that has come since the morning after when Jesus rose from the grave and defeated death and made a way for us back into the kingdom of heaven again, the harvest has been plentiful every day since. The harvest has always been plentiful. But we look around the world with hopelessness. Oh, there's just not, there's just not much left. It's like looking into a, a barren field and there's only a few crops that have come up. It's just, oh, there's not much to choose from anymore. And we look at it with hopelessness. No one wants God. No one wants to hear about God. No one wants to, in, to encounter God. And that is so far from the truth. They're just tired of hearing about God from people that do not recognize Him and walk with Him themselves. Plain and simple. The world is sick of hearing about it. They want to see it. That's it. I, I really don't speak of this with any kind of zeal or excitement, but I am a millennial. I can't help it. They made me. And I don't like my generation for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons that I think it's one of the most significant generations that I've ever seen or read about is that there is this trend where they refuse to believe in what you say they need to believe in. Refuse. And if they don't, do not see the evidence of what you say is true, they will leave it. And they will abandon it. Without hesitation. You want to talk about this great walking away from the church? It's because they are walking away because they have seen what you speak and they have seen what you do and they do not they are not cohesive. They do not go together. So this is fake. I don't want. It. I'm not going to give my life to this that you yourself have not given it to. That's the standard that we've we've lived in for a long time. I want you to give your life to Christ as I have not. That's that's the that's the theology that we've operated in in the church in America for a long time. You do it, so I don't have to. I'll feel good about myself if you do it. That's not it. And that doesn't work. And so we have a generation of people that have left because they want to see what the Lord is doing. They want to see the reality. They want to, they want to see us and then hear us. And they want to see truth in us and then hear the words out of our mouth reiterate the truth they have already seen. But it is not that no one wants God. The harvest is plentiful. It's not that people do not want Jesus. Because all things were made for Him and through Him. That doesn't change with your attitude. That is a foundational truth written into the universe. All things were made for Him. All things were made through Him. So everyone that has existed, will exist, exists right now, was made for Him. So the harvest is still plentiful, period. But, again, what does it say? The laborers are few. And what is it talking about? We read this and we read over it, but what is it talking about here when it says the laborers? 
He is talking about the day laborers. He's talking about the farmhands. He's talking about the guys that show up on a street corner and wait for someone to pick them up and tell them what they're doing that day. The, the, the laborers that will receive no glory for their efforts. It'll be difficult. It'll be hard. They will be exhausted at the end of it and they will have to get up and go do it again. He is looking for those willing to lay everything down to accomplish the one that picks them up. Their goal. Not ours. Their goal. And to just sit there on the street corner until he picks them up and says, this is what you're doing today. And they say yes to it and they go. Those are the laborers he's looking for. There's, there's a lot of farmers here in this community. And they have laborers that come and go. Come and go. The farm is always attached to the farmer's name. It doesn't get attached to the, the, the day laborer's name. It doesn't get attached to them. There's no glory in them for it. There's a good crop. That's great. Maybe they get paid, they get a bonus or something, but there's no glory in them for it. It is not theirs. But they do it still. They do it still. They still get up and they still work doing whatever is required of them. That is what is few. Those willing to do whatever it takes to reap the harvest. We don't see a plentiful harvest because we are unwilling to reach into the dirt and pull it from the ground. Because the harvest doesn't meet the standards of what we want it to look like. Because it will require you to get your hands dirty. It will require you to stay bent over all day, plucking it from the ground yourself. But that is what is required. Because the laborers are few, because it is difficult work. And we've wanted the harvest, we've wanted the labor to look like we, like we want it to look like. Not what He has it to look like. But the thing that we need to recognize is that we are in the morning after. In Nehemiah 2, 17-18, we read this last week, He has asked us to rebuild what has been destroyed. He has asked this house to rebuild what has been set on fire and destroyed. To rebuild what has been lost. And we are in the day after. We are those that have never lived a day where the promise was not for us and right there ready for us to take part in. And we are the ones that He has asked to rebuild the city. And there will be no spotlight on us. There will be no great deal of gratitude because He has simply asked us to be co laborers. And that's the other thing that we don't recognize. This labor is hard and it's, it's dirty and it's going to be difficult and there will be no gratitude, there will be no thankfulness at the end of it, but guess who's right there with you on his hands and knees plucking it from the ground? You are not a laborer on your own, you are a co-laborer with Christ. The one who died, who sits at the right hand of the Father, is not sitting off scoffing at us. He is actively walking through the fields with, with us participating in reaping the harvest, wondering when we will take part in it with Him. Because the harvest is plentiful. And there has, I've said this before, I have not lived in a day where I feel like the harvest is more ready to be reaped. Because people are at this point where nothing else will do and they were just looking on one constant that will not shake when everything else around them does. And they will run to the steady foundation. 
but they can't see it, they can't encounter it until the co-laborers with Christ go to where they are right now. You can't reap the harvest sitting on the porch, not in the field. That's not how the harvest works. You have to go reap it. You have to go to where it is to reap the harvest. And so too, it is for us in establishing the kingdom of heaven in this community. If you want to establish it, it will not happen with you sitting in here. It happens going where they are. Because they don't want to hear me speak on a Sunday morning. They don't care to hear what I have to offer on a Sunday morning. They don't care to hear the word of God from a pulpit. They don't care. They care to be in a broken place and to look up and see you there with them. Loving them, period. They long to be in this place of great victory and to look up and see you there rejoicing with them. They long to encounter the kindness of God, a kindness they cannot explain and they did not earn right there waiting for them, being freely poured out on them. They couldn't do anything. They didn't ask for it. Even if they asked for it to go away, it doesn't go away because it is for them and it is free and we will freely give it. That's what they're waiting for. That's what they need. And I promise you, the harvest is still plentiful. But you, the laborers, we have to go where they are because they will not come here. This building, hear this, we will lock the doors and turn off the lights and this building will not have another person in it. It will grow cobwebs. Everything will deteriorate and it will be something that somebody destroys one day if we continue to sit in here and wait for them to come. That's it. It cannot be. This building gets filled with the body of Christ and a people rejoicing. It gets to the point where there's not enough room when we go to where they are. And I long to see the day where this room is too full. But it only comes when we go to where they are. Freely with the body of Christ. Freely with the gift of God. The kindness of God. The joy of God. The fruits of the Spirit. Everything He has freely given to us and we freely go to them to give it to them. It's the only way it happens. So again, I'll ask, are we the ones who will rebuild this city? Are we the ones that will, re will establish the kingdom of heaven where we are? Are we the ones that will co-labor with Christ? Because the harvest is plentiful. Always has been. And always will be. The laborers are few. The day laborers are few. Those devoted to reaping the harvest, no matter what the cost, are few. But will you in here be those? Because we're talking about one laborer, Christ, who was willing to do whatever it took, and we're talking about Him now. I don't know how many are in here, but could you imagine the impact on our cities if we decide to co-labor with Christ in fullness? Can't imagine. Nothing can stand against it. And we will reap the harvest. And people will be added to the book of life. And we will bring more with us at, those th at the end day. We will take more with us into those gates if we are willing to go where they are, to be co-laborers with Christ. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.